The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 18 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, hello, hello to you all. I'm feeling a bit better since our last episode, especially because I have a wonderful treat for you today. Sorry if the last episode got you down, but you know, we here at Pot of Chat, we try to keep it real, and that is exactly where I was in the last episode. Um, I know we've all been up and down and up and down, and I was down and I didn't want to record, but I still made sure that I followed through. But speaking of keeping it real, I felt a lot of pressure to talk on the topic of racial injustice and discrimination in both the dance world and the real world here on Pod Chat and on my social media, especially with everything that's been going on lately in the world uh, with the death of George Floyd and the protests and the riots and the looting and everything else that's all intertwined into, into that. But it just doesn't feel appropriate as a white male for me to discuss this topic on a platform like this. So I reached out to my friend Kiara Felder, currently dancing with Le Grand Ballet Canadien in Montreal, to see if she would be willing to take over Pas de Chat Talking Dance for one episode to share her experience as a black queer female ballet dancer who grew up in the United States, trained in North Carolina and Seattle, and performed with Atlanta Ballet before making the transition up north to Canada. I really wanted to give my friend this platform to share her voice without interruption, so I will not be interviewing her. She is going to do a complete takeover of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. This is the first people. Nobody has ever taken over an episode for me, but I am so happy to have Kiara here today to share her experience with you. So listeners, please allow me to introduce Kiara Felder as today's host of Pod to Chat Talking Dance, and I'm going to turn it over to her now. Hello. Thank you, Barry, so much for having me on the podcast. My name is Kiara Felder. Um, I'm currently a ballet dancer with Le Grand Ballet Canadien. I live here in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. However, I am originally from North Carolina. Um, I studied ballet in Cary, North Carolina, um, prior to going to North Carolina School of the Arts. Uh, For my senior year of high school, I then studied at Pacific Northwest Ballet in their professional division program, which is where I met Barry. Uh, I was also in his piece uh, at the end of the year for the Next Step program for the professional, like the showcase for professional division students. Uh, Barry also knows my older sister, who is also a dancer uh, from either a PNB summer course or Houston Ballet summer course. I can't really remember, but I, I think there's that connection there as well. And, you know, I've always been inspired by uh, how outspoken Barry has been for the well-being of dancers, 
Um, I was inspired to also be a rep for uh, the company here in Montreal. Uh, I was a rep, a dancer rep for two years. It's really hard work. It's a thankless job. Um, and so really like I have a lot of respect for Barry and how willing he is to really address issues that come up for dancers. And I'm super happy for um, him giving me the chance to speak on his podcast. Uh, yeah, so let's get started. Um, so yeah, the past couple of days, uh, well, weeks really have been pretty emotional. Uh, for me, um, I, I guess I didn't say I was black. I mean, I guess that maybe it's understood, <laughs> but, um, as a, as a black person and seeing the, way that systemic racism has been affecting my community in the states and really you know um systemic racism has trickled into every corner of the world um through colonization and you know its origins are are deeply rooted uh however yeah it's been it's been tough to kind of see um just the ongoing almost commonness of killings of black people like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, how easy and how normal it's become for for them to be killed at the hands of in police custody and, you know, just to, to continue to suffer from these systems that were put in place so long ago and never really um, were dismantled or addressed properly and you know, it's been really hard to see the reality of that right now. Um, you know, it's hard to see these images in, in videos, but at the same time, I think a lot of black people are mostly in pain because they they have known that this has been going on for, for quite some time. And we just are, for the first time, seeing that people are, are starting to speak up in an unprecedented way, and we see people protesting around the world, and it's a lot of, it's very emotional. It's emotional in a sense that it's it's painful to see uh, the events that sparked the protest, but it's also emotional um, to see this sort of rush of non-Black individuals who um, want to wanna use their privilege to speak up against injustices in the world and see that this is put to an end. Um, and so, you know, in many ways I'm, I'm encouraged, you know, I've always kind of been outspoken, you know, my identities don't really grant me the convenience of not being able to voice, um, my opinion, you know, out of survival, I have to speak up for the queer community, the black community, um, the female identifying community, uh, but right now, more than ever, I really do feel encouraged to um, continue to have these conversations and, and confront uh, my friends um, who are not black uh, and also, you know, my communities that are, are not fully uh, black, particularly the, the ballet community. Um, I have kind of always grown up in an environment that is predominantly white from school to um ballet schools and also ballet companies and uh it isn't a, a unique experience and I just you know there are many ways there's a lot to unpack but um I think what I want to focus on is um 
not so much on the ways that I've been discriminated against or the the way that people already discriminate in ballet. Um, just to be clear, I think on a baseline, ballet is pretty unfair for most people. Um, but I do think that there's, and there are definitely some aspects of the way things work in ballet that puts being black at a, makes you um, at a disadvantage uh, to be black, to especially to be a black woman in, in the ballet world. But uh, I want to focus more on what I think we could do, just, just an idea of what I think we could um, consider moving forward um, now that we know that it's unfair and we know that uh, it it's, has a lot of errors and flaws. What are some, some maybe practical solutions to start? Just, just to, you know, scrape, start picking away and un- unpeeling the layers uh, that we need to get down to the core of everything, of course, but I just want to focus kind of on the, on the start. And I, I am really glad that I have this time. Hopefully I don't ramble too much, but, um, yeah, so, uh, I can just share. That's the best I can do. But, uh, yeah. So like starting to begin jumping right in, you know, why is ballet the way that it is, you know, historically it's an art form. It's, its roots are in Europe, uh, its values are Eurocentric, the aesthetic is something that um, is created kind of around uh, white Eurocentric um, bodies and values of beauty. Uh, The people in leadership in the ballet world are largely uh, white men, um, and all of that has just shaped the way that the world is. Uh, the voices of marginalized people don't really have as much influence as the people in power in ballet. And, you know, in 2020, we have more diversity, I guess you could say, than we maybe did in the 1700s, but there's still some pretty big disparities, especially among Black women in ballet, that it's clear that there's still an issue um, that needs to be addressed as far as making it an equitable and safe space and environment for Black dancers. Um, You know, growing up, I... It was, like, me and my sisters in our ballet school and maybe, you know, a handful of other people, but really you could count it maybe on two hands, but out of the hundreds of kids who attended this school in Cary, North Carolina, there weren't many Black um, dancers. And somehow all throughout my training, it never really occurred to me that being Black was ever going to be an obstacle. And it really wasn't until I read an article in the New York Times, I believe it was titled like, where are all the black swans? And it featured Aisha Ash, and it discussed her feelings about being a black ballerina. And, you know, it was not the most encouraging article. In fact, I remember feeling my, the sinking feeling after reading it, wondering, you know, it was the first time I realized that 
it's pot- the potential of being black and that being an obstacle in my career, which is something I really never considered, even though I was vastly outnumbered um, by my peers as far as um, being the only black person in my class and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I just remember her in the article kind of discussing feeling like she was filling a quota, um, being, you know, a, um, token black girl in a ballet company, which is something that I re- I never even realized was a thing until I read this. I would think I was 14 or 15 when I read this article. And I remember just feeling really discouraged by it, thinking, wow, you know, there's no, um, creating a career for myself without, uh, either being a political statement or being a diversity hire or filling some type of quota, I kind of saw it as, you know, something that was going to always go hand in hand with my existence in this ballet world. And it was something that I, you know, learned very quickly. I was going to be hyper aware of the color of my skin from that moment on. I was going to become obsessive about compensating for areas where it was known that black women were lacking. I would, you know, I'm sure lots of people did this, but I was, you know, shoving my feet under the TV stand in order to make my ankles more flexible so that no one could say, I don't have good feet. I would stretch. I remember for a while, I'm pretty sure I injured my hamstring because I was determined to have a nice um, arabesque line. I didn't want my flexibility to hold me back. Um, you know, I've always kind of been quite slender, but, uh, around 16, 17, I obsessed over my body shape, um, because I didn't want someone to think I was too muscular or, you know, not dainty enough to, uh, you know, be in a ballet company. And I felt like, just the fact that I was black, people saw, pointed out those um, physical differences before looking at my ability to do ballet, uh, for lack of a better description. But yeah, so I, I, I quickly kind of obsessed over needing to exceed expectations so that I want to get written off as, you know, not good enough, standing out too much. Um, lowering, diminishing the quality of the corps de ballet. Like, I really wanted to make sure that I was perfect. And I put a ridiculous amount of pressure on myself to be perfect to the point that I really had issues with confidence. I was very insecure. I had a lot of doubts um, about my own abilities. I remember at NCSA... They put up the placement for um, the ballet class levels. And I remember there being about three dancers in the high school ballet program. Again, you know, about 100 to 200 dancers. uh, Well, actually, I don't really know the amount of numbers, but, you know, two or three out of a a significantly bigger number of white dancers, um, two or three black dancers were there. And I, I remember reading the placement and there was one other girl who was placed in a high level 
and and I was also a place in high level um but I overheard another white girl um in the program see and note that this other black dancer was only placed in her level because she was black and I remember thinking one just being amazed that she had the audacity while I was standing there to make a comment like that um in front of me but also it was very apparent again it kind of confirmed this idea that uh people are going to think that I'm that black people are getting the success that they receive because it's a handout or because you know we're tokens or we have to get um placed in a high level because we're black and not because of our ability. So again, I I was carrying around this belief that I had to prove that I earned it and that I wasn't um a poster child for the diversity of the school. I wanted, you know, they were going to use my image. I knew they were going to invite me to the events for fundraising. I knew why, but I wanted to make sure that I also proved that I was worthy of all of that, which just adds to this idea of needing to be perfect again, which is impossible for anyone. But, you know, I think a lot of Black women put this pressure to be on their best behavior at all times because it's so easy to be knocked off of that um, position, I guess. And you feel like you could be replaced and you feel like you're you're there, you're in your position on a condition that you do everything right and you're afraid to let your guard down. And, you know, that's something that I I think has been what I've always dealt with. I've also dealt with burnout, with being exhausted, trying to always perform at a very, very high level and exceed everyone's expectations. Like that's really unrealistic to live your life in that way. And so... Yeah, like that's just been, you know, difficult. I also think, uh, I think I was taking, uh, this was a a part of a women's studies class that I um, took. I'm also a student with Arizona State University, just to add. But I was taking a women's studies course and there's this metaphor called, you know, the glass ceiling. Everyone knows that there's this like invisible obstacle that it seems that uh, women can't get through. And then there's another metaphor called the glass cliff, which is like, this invisible cliff that you're on that it seems that like any mistake you might make could knock you off that cliff once you get there and I you know we learned that in the framework of um, gender and um, the roles that women usually occupy but I think the same can be said for black women in ballet there's this feeling where you can't reach a certain level and it's invisible the obstacle that keeps you from that level but then if you do reach a certain level there's also this feeling that you could be knocked off of that plane at any moment for making a mistake or having a bad day or you know you know a litany of other reasons that uh people will come up with to you know diminish your value in in the place so um let's see uh yeah so in short you know I've been carrying around this feeling of or this uh belief of needing to be perfect uh, at all times which has been really hard to kind of 
dismantle for my own self to 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 break that down and to just be comfortable in my own skin um and feel you know worthy of my place in ballet without having to prove it to anyone uh and you know I don't really want to go through all the ways that I have been discriminated against just because you know and I do think that there that is an important thing to do as well but I think a lot of the strongest um I think what has been had the most impact is these subtle things and the beliefs that you form um, that are, I guess, you know, the most subtle forms of racism that are almost hard to detect, but really shape you almost in some ways more than the blatant, outright racist things that you really actually aren't going to see as often. You'll see those and you'll know how to identify them, but the ones that are more subtle that leave you scratching your head, that leave you doubting yourself, those are going to have much stronger of an impact than someone saying, well, you can't dance here because you're black. Because then in that case, then you know, I mean, then it's illegal. So then you can can really um, see that. But I think that a big issue in ballet is the subtle things that happen that we can't detect and that we're not having, that we don't, that happen behind closed doors, I guess you could say. Um... But yeah, what I what I keep coming back to, however, in the discussions that I've been having with people and what I keep coming back to in my mind um, is just thinking about what I think was lacking for me as a student and as a young professional. And I've kind of been able to reach a better understanding at, at this point in my career. But I think, you know, what would have been made a huge difference it would be a way to establish and um, to establish a way to build and foster confidence in young dancers, especially young black dancers, because I uh, black females, because I I do believe that black women in general are are disrespected in society, um, and. They're, when they are confident, they often are seen as threatening. And so they're not encouraged to be confident in all areas of their life. In fact, I think that a lot of black women take on um, I think they suppress a lot of who they are in order to survive in society. And um, I think that they're something that I could I like to see in ballet companies and ballet schools is this reinforcing of the value and the importance of black women and their confidence, just building that up so that they don't ever have to wonder if they've earned their spot or doubt that their abilities are legitimate. I think that, you know, something that would have been nice for me to know is like, yes, I'm on a scholarship at this school, but I'm not here to fill up the diversity. I'm here because I'm a strong dancer and have a a prosperous future uh, in ballet. And so I think it's important to to instill that in young people. And, um, you know, I remember in middle school, they divided the students. uh, This is like in my, um, you know, like, 
middle school, like normal school, <laughs> they divided um, students in teams. And I was on a special team, like track for academically gifted students. And um, after school, a few times a month, there was a special group for the very few black students who were in this academically gifted team. Um, and in this after school meeting, we would um, just discuss what it feels like to be in a space where not many people look like you, but you, but like, like we talked about belonging in a space where people didn't look like you, basically. And that's something that I'm not sure ever really is addressed in public institutions. Like, I'm not sure that, you know, I've never, I never discussed with any of my ballet instructors what it's like to be in a ballet class when no one looks like me and no one's ever really addressed any doubts that I might have had in those situations. And this group, it was, um, it was a special group for me because I remember there were kids who questioned whether or not it was fair that the black kids who were in this, um, who were AG academically gifted teams, people questioned why we had a special group and there was no special group for other kids who were in this group. And, you know, my only explanation for that is, you know, when you have a gift or if you have a talent or something that you're inspired to do, but there's no representation of you, of anyone who looks like you doing that. And there's no um, visible model to see that it's okay for you to exist in that space you do have a lot of doubts and you do lose confidence and a lot of people will fall off either this path of educational um success or be it you know an artistic endeavor they might lose drive because they think no one looks like me i don't belong here this isn't for me and one thing I did find was super great about this special little group that I went to after school was that I was encouraged to reach anything that I wanted academically, even if I didn't see anyone who looked like me doing that. And, you know, because of that, I think that trickled into other avenues. But I think that something like that could be in ballet programs where they they do sit down with their black students um, and address the the specific um, imbalance and acknowledge, yes, you're a black girl in a ballet class. There's not many people like you, but you can have as you can make this your future if you want to. And um, nothing should hold you back because of uh, a lack of representation. And I think that will keep, you know, it will engage uh girls who want to leave and it will keep the confidence and just, you know, save probably a lot of people from um, mental health issues that will arise from, you know, having low self-esteem and and feeling unsafe. So, you know, I think from that group, I saw the value of a safe space. Um, 
that was probably my first exposure to a quote unquote safe space. And I think more of those types of safe spaces within the dance community are necessary um, right now. And I think in over lots of time, fostering confidence in, in young people, especially young black female dancers will, will, um, I don't know. I think it will help uh, with some of the issues that we have. I don't think it's going to solve it. I think, you know, we're not going to overnight see a a major change in how the ballet world is shaped. But I think that's something that can be done um, in schools and in companies to make the experience for Black dancers better. yeah, and you know, um that kind of starts to wrap things up. Uh but I also want to thank again Barry for uh, giving me the space to share some things and I hope that some of what I've talked about resonates um with people and and sparks some further thinking. Um I'm you know, really encouraged with how many non-black people that I've been able to speak to openly um, about my experience, about what they've been thinking. Um, I think it's really important that they are listening to what uh, black people are having to say, about what black dancers are having to say. But I also think it's super important that, you know, it's a conversation and that there's deep reflection and engaging after some deep reflection um uh and you know i've seen a lot of positive um outcomes with really just sitting down and having a a candid conversation with with some of my friends who are who are white or who are not black and kind of looking at some of these you know uncomfortable issues and hard conversations and and working our way through them and you know I think as a black woman who is queer I'm I've kind of been accustomed to having a lot of hard conversations and and not afraid to kind of jump into that and what I would say for anyone who's not used to having hard conversations is that the hardest part is starting the conversation after that it's pretty easy once you open it up you know if you keep an open heart and you know uh, an empathetic spirit that typically it it ends well um it can also be really hard and negative outcome but for the most part i think you know opening up that conversation is the first step and is something that we all have to just be willing to do and willing to say the wrong thing correct it learn from it and move forward and and keep it going and not let it be something that dies out as like trends get old and and things like that but anyway that's hopefully haven't rambled too much um thank you again barry i um would be happy to like continue this conversation you know if someone is listening and has questions um i have an instagram account uh at kiarod k-i-a-r O-D-E. <laughs> um, and that's one place where I like to try to engage uh, these types of conversations. I also have a blog, kiaro.blog. 
where I kind of just share what I'm up to and, um, you know, my experiences as a black dancer, but also as a student, um, you know, one thing that I've also kind of, uh, developed for myself, you know, it's hard for me to pour everything that I have into just ballet, because I know that my impact in the world has to come from many different angles. So I've been studying, um, while dancing and I'm currently an undergrad, uh, for a bachelor of global health because I want to examine the ways and the social structures and the ways that those social structures, um, shape the well-being for people on our planet from the environment to racism to preventable diseases poverty etc etc so um yes you can follow me on my blog as i discuss my experience with that and on instagram as i you know i will continue to share resources and um you know i think a lot of people have been kind of you know making comments about how it's not a time to ask your black friends a ton of questions, but I do kind of want to open myself up to answering any questions that people have. So feel free to ask questions and hopefully I can be back on the show again sometime. Barry, thank you so, so much. And to everyone, stay healthy, take care, um, and have a wonderful day. Bye. Wow. What a wonderful intelligent, thoughtful podcast. And I'd expect nothing less from Kiara. Thank you so much, Kiara, for taking over. That was Pod Chat's first takeover episode in our four years of existence. And that was an amazing first takeover. I think that's also the first time that Kiara has ever done a podcast. So everybody take your hats off to her. Go show some love on her social media and her blog and, and check her out. Again, thank you so much, Kiara, for your willingness to share yourself, your experience, and your incredible knowledge. I know that our black friends and chosen family are going through a lot right now. And even though they are going through these things, they are still gracious in offering understanding and education with humility throughout all of this. So for that, I am extremely, extremely grateful. My goal here is for the focus to be on Kiara and to let her words resonate. So I'm going to end this episode of Pot of Chat here. And just one more time, I want to say thank you, Kiara. Hopefully we can have you on here again. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod of Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barryk-e-r-o-l-l-i-s.com. That's www.barrycorlis.com. You can also check out my company, Movement Headquarters Ballet Company, by visiting www.movementhqballet.org. You can also reach out on those websites if you would like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique, or choreography, or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolus, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to check out my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com, and I wrote on there for five years about working as a freelance artist and independent contractor. 
working across the country. I also wrote on Dancing Off Stage, and you can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. And on there, I wrote about the first performance careers of professional dancers. I also have two YouTube channels. You can follow my choreography uh, by going to youtube.com, going to the search panel and typing in B. Corollis, or you can also check out Movement Headquarters by doing the same on YouTube there. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chats. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.